Welcome to another episode of the Father Ted Talk, broadcast at the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Emmitsburg, Maryland. We wanted to take a moment before Father Ted begins to invite you to a live stream of our historic homes tour on Friday, May 1st at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. With many quarantined and confined within their homes, we want to open the door and invite you into the home of our saint, Mother Seton. During this live stream, you will see the two homes where Mother Seton lived and worked, as well as a preserved early 19th century chapel, the actual schoolroom where Mother Seton taught with her sisters, several intimate possessions, and more. Again, that's Friday, May 1st at 4 p.m. EST. You can watch it on Facebook, and we hope to see you there. Now here's Father Ted. When our Lord appeared to Sister Faustina in Poland, he asked that this Sunday, the Sunday after Easter, be made the Feast of Divine Mercy. John Paul II did that 20 years ago in the year 2000. He made this Sunday the Feast of Divine Mercy. Jesus also said to St. Faustina that on this Feast of Divine Mercy, priests would preach about his mercy. So that is what I am going to try and do today. Now, the message of divine mercy, what does it entail? It's often said that it's easy to remember by the acronym ABC. You first ask for mercy, you then be merciful, and you completely trust in God's mercy. So first of all this, we're going to start with the last, completely trusting in God's mercy. And why should we trust in God's mercy? Like, why do we think that he's somebody who would be merciful to us? Why would Jesus show us mercy? Because he loves us. I mean, he tells us that over and over again in the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, but all the way, you know, all, throughout the Old Testament as well. But in the New Testament, it's more profound, it's more powerful, the phrases. So we have, for example, the most famous biblical verse in probably all the world, John 3.16 where our Lord tells us that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son so that all who believed in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. God so loved the world. And then John tells us that in his first letter that God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his only begotten Son into the world. St. Paul, too, he says that God proved his love for us because while we were still sinners, he sent his only begotten son to die for us. And then our Lord, the Last Supper. I, as the Father loves me, so I love you. Abide in my love. And these are words that each and every single one of us should feel directed towards ourselves. You know, the scripture is not a dead text. It's not something that was written a long time ago for them and there. It is living, and it is a word that our Lord says to us. I love you as the Father loves me. It is good that you are here. I am happy to have made you. You are the object of my love. But one thing that we often struggle with is we often struggle believing or trusting in that love of God. We sometimes doubt whether or not he could, in fact, love us in this way. You know, we know the words, but it doesn't exactly seem so credible. And one of the reasons for that is that 
we doubt God's love for us because we have a hard time loving ourselves. We don't see ourselves as very lovable. You know, why would God care about somebody like me, we could be tempted to think. You know, I'm somebody who, for example, I might have cheated on my wife. I might have embezzled millions of dollars. I might have had an abortion. I might be addicted to pornography. Why would God love me after all of that? And so many other things as well. This is a temptation that we go through, even with venial sins too. So these are more serious examples, but even venial sins can make us feel a little despicable. We can feel as if we're not worthy of love, as if we're, we aren't good after all. You know, how could somebody good do the things that I've done? Repeatedly, over and over again, year in and year out. So we have this little voice in our head which doesn't come from God telling us that we aren't worthy of his love. And many people struggle with these thoughts, especially in our day and age, because the fact that of the matter is, sin is rampant. Sin is everywhere. There are sins of all different sorts. And when we fall into sin, the devil is always going to try and push us into despair. Despair of God's love, even. So, it is during these times that divine mercy needs to be proclaimed even more forcefully. Our Lord told St. Faustina, I cannot punish even the greatest sinner if he makes an appeal to my compassion. And later, St. Faustina herself would write, God will not deny his mercy to anyone. Heaven and earth may change, but God's mercy will never be exhausted. That is the one thing we can count on. That love, that mercy of God is stable like a rock, unchanging. But another reason why we might doubt God's love for us, we might doubt his mercy for us, is because we tend to project onto God the way that we behave, the way that we act. We tend to think that God loves the way that we love. And we don't often love in a very good way. We often love in a conditional manner. We often love somebody based upon what they do for us, not upon who they are. Like this, I enjoy having, I enjoy spending time with this person. They make me, they make me happy. This person is useful to me, like they got me out of a jam, they help me with projects, they give me money. Or this person is somebody, for example, who treats me well. Very often our love is based upon things like that. But this is not the way that God loves. God does not love us based upon our actions. God does not love us more when we do the right thing or less when we do the wrong thing. The love of God is unconditional. It is not limited by any conditions. It doesn't depend upon our actions. And that's a difficult love to grasp because we so rarely see it on earth. We struggle to practice that kind of love, an unconditional love for each other. But perhaps the, the best example of this sort of love that might have been experienced by some people is that of a father in a hospital holding his newborn son or daughter. And that little baby he's got in his arms isn't really useful. He hasn't, the, the baby hasn't done anything for the father. It's not as if this is a kid that's like going to somehow provide uh, a useful function. But regardless of the fact that there is no use in the baby, there is love. The father loves his child, regardless of the particularities of that child. 
And this is the kind of love that God the Father has for us, an unconditional love. So it's not as if we lose God's love when we misbehave, when we don't follow the commandments, when we fail to pray, when we are uncharitable to our neighbor. Nor do we get more of God's love when we do the right things. It's not as if God loves us more when we say our daily rosary, when we participate in the Mass when possible, when we follow the commandments. Yes, these are good things to do, and God likes it when we do them. But we're not growing in God's love when we do them. His love doesn't change. It's everlasting. And that's why the signature of the Divine Mercy image, the signature that is below the picture that our Lord told St. Faustina to have drawn, says, Jesus, I trust in you. We have to trust that God loves us unconditionally, that he wants to forgive us. We have to trust that his grace is stronger than our sins. And we also have to remember to ask for it. That's the, the A in the ABC of mercy. Once we trust in that mercy of God, we show that trust by asking for it. God doesn't force his mercy upon us. It doesn't just show up at our doorsteps, like somebody else doesn't order it for us and it comes with an Amazon delivery. No, you've got to go and ask for it. Because this is the way that God established things. We don't decide how to get our sins forgiven. I don't say, well, I feel like I'm just going to confess my sins personally to God and then that's taken care of. No more sins. The only ordinary way to have grave sins forgiven is in the sacrament of confession. And so we go there trusting in that mercy of God and asking for it. Now, in these times of pandemic where that might not always be available, you know, we shouldn't despair. We shouldn't be thinking that, oh my gosh, I am separated from God indefinitely. What we need to do, saying, said Pope Francis, says the apostolic penitentiary, says the catechism of the Catholic Church, what we need to do in these times where it is humanly impossible to go to confession, if that is our case, because it's not the case everywhere, if it's humanly impossible to go to confession, we need to make a perfect act of contrition, a heartfelt act of contrition, a be deeply sorrowful for our sins, resolve to not fall into the same sin again, and commit to getting confession as soon as humanly possible. That is the way we can ask for mercy, even in these times where the sacrament might not be available to us. Now, along with the final thing of mercy, the final part of the message of mercy, completely trusting in him, asking for the mercy, and finally being merciful to one another, to each other, to your neighbor. And this is extremely important because our Lord told St. Faustina, if a soul does not exercise mercy somehow or another, so if you or I don't exercise mercy somehow or another, that soul will not obtain my mercy on the day of judgment. And our Lord said, you are to show my mercy everywhere and always. Sorry, you are to show mercy to your neighbor always and everywhere. So what is the mercy we're supposed to give? It doesn't just mean forgiving your neighbor. That's one part of mercy. That's an important part of mercy. That's a difficult part of mercy. Forgiving the people that have hurt us. Forgiving, for example, the people that have, that the person that laid us off because of the, the pandemic. Forgiving the government leaders that have put these restrictions upon us. Forgiving ecclesiastical authorities even that might not be allowing us to receive the sacraments. 
forgiving as well all those people that have harmed us during our lives. This can be challenging, but that's not all mercy is. That's just one part of mercy. So we can describe mercy as being pained at the pain of another person and taking pains to alleviate their pain. Now, that's true, that's a lot of pain. But the goal is to alleviate the pain of another person. This is what our Lord did for us on the cross. He went through the pain of the cross in order to alleviate or to take from us the pain of sin. And so we need to first, so mercy has got these two parts. When you want to show mercy, you first feel that pain for somebody else, and then you take steps to alleviate their pain. So St. Thomas Aquinas said that mercy is more effective, like it does something more than affective, than feeling something. It should have both, the emotion, the feeling, as well as the action. But we need to make sure we got both going on there. And we can do this in the time of pandemic corporeally. You know, we can look after other people's bodies, perhaps by making some sort of face masks, homemade face masks for people that are at risk, people that don't have that kind of protection. Maybe there's an elderly person in our neighborhood or a relative of ours who's at risk. We could go shopping for them. We could look after them. We could provide food meals for them. We could mow their lawn for them now. So seeing somebody else's need and doing something about it. And maybe we ourselves are an elderly person and we can't do that. We don't have the possibility of looking after somebody else in that way. That's okay. There's another, a better way to show mercy. Our Lord told St. Faustina, spiritual mercy is much more meritorious and within the grasp of every soul. Spiritual mercy, such as bearing the wrongs of those people we're quarantined with, like people get on our nerves when we're with them for a long time. Patiently enduring that is an act of spiritual mercy. Praying for the people that have died from coronavirus. To pray for the dead is always a meritorious, merciful act. And then consoling those people that might be suffering from this pandemic. People in isolation tend to suffer. How can I bring consolation to them? So let us ask today on this Feast of Mercy that Mary, the Queen and Mother of Mercy, might give us that grace to trust in that love and mercy of God and that confidence to ask for it as well as to practice it with all those people around us.